faithfulness of God, that, uh, that one's powerful. Thank you, Kevin. Thinking it was uh, time to slow down, Bruce Wilkinson and moved his family to the countryside. They were all looking forward to enjoying the peace and quiet and the beauty of country living. And a few days after they had finished unpacking, while he was working in his garage, he noticed his neighbor was cutting down the grapevines in the fence row. They'd been rambling along that fence line of their shared property line, and Bruce had always assumed that he'd get to share in those grapes, and he was looking forward to feasting on fresh, country-grown grapes. He walked over to his neighbor, a large, white-haired gentleman in overalls who had in his hands the biggest shears that he'd ever seen. And all around him were piles of grape branches. Bruce was trying to conceal his distress over those piles of grapevines. He said, I guess you don't like grapes. Love grapes, the neighbor replied. Really? I was hoping that maybe we could share in some of those grapes. The farmer spotted the bright, shiny shoes of which Bruce was wearing and said, You're a city boy, aren't you? Well, not exactly, but the farmer broke in. Don't know about grapes, do you? Bruce responded, I know I like the taste of it, and I really like the looks of this row of grapes when I bought the place. You like big, juicy grapes, the farmer asked, as he continued pruning. Of course, and my family does as well. Well, the farmer replied, you can either grow yourselves a lot of beautiful leaves to fill this fence room, or we can grow some of the biggest, sweetest, juiciest grapes you and your family have ever seen and tasted, but we cannot have both. We are the same way. We can either look impressive or we can produce fruit, but it's hard for us to do both. Jesus used the example of the vineyard to describe how we were. However, we need to understand how a vineyard really functions to grasp the magnitude of his teaching. The tendency of the grape plant is to vigorously grow vines and therefore much pruning must be done to keep the fresh air and the sunlight so it can get to the fruit. It will improve the quality and the size of that fruit. In John 15, verses 1 through 3, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. When we look at that third verse, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It doesn't seem to go together with verses 1 and 2. Let's start by looking at verse 2. In John 15, 2, He cuts out every branch that in me that bears no fruit, while every branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. The grape plant is, will put a great deal of energy into producing more branches and leaves and make a priority 
of that production in place of fruit. We may also be more inclined to put our energy into looking great without putting energy into producing an abundant and quality fruit for the glory of God. The Greek word ario has multiple meanings. Those meanings include to take up, to take away, to lift up, to raise up, to pick up, and to move from one place to another. That's a lot of definitions for a little four-letter word. If we use the definition lift up, it would mean that the gardener or the vine dresser would lean over and lift up the vine. Why would the vine dresser go to the effort to pick up the vine? Bruce Wilkinson was at a pastor's conference on the West Coast when a well-tanned individual came up to him and asked, do you understand John 15? Not completely, Bruce answered. Why? The man responded, I own a large vineyard in Northern California, and I think I have figured it out. Intrigued, Bruce immediately offered to buy him a cup of coffee. As they sat across the table from one another, the gentleman began to talk about his life as a vineyard grower the long hours of walking the vineyard, watching the grapes develop, tending the grapes, and waiting for that perfect day of harvest. He said that the new branches have a natural tendency to trail downward, to grow along the ground, but they don't bear fruit on the ground. As the branches grow along the ground, they get covered in dirt, and when the rain comes, they get muddy and mildew, causing the branches to become sickly and worthless. Bruce asked, Do you cut them off and throw them away? The vineyard owner explained, Oh no, the branches are much too valuable for that to throw away. So we go through the vineyard with a bucket of water while looking for those branches that are growing along the ground. We lift up the branches, we wash them off and wrap them or tie them up to the trellis so that they will begin to thrive. Like the dirt that covers the grape leaves, preventing the air and the light from penetrating, sin will pe cause us to not bear fruit as well. When we fall into sin, God doesn't just throw us away or abandon us. He will lift us up, clean us off, and help us flourish if we're willing to let him. John 15:3 You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Jesus was telling his disciples that he had spoken the word into each one of them and they had become clean. He had lifted them up. The first secret to the vine God will intervene to discipline us if we do not bear fruit. God will use different measures to Bring us to repentance so it can cleanse us of our sin and we can live a more abundant and productive life for His glory. It's up to us whether we choose to be obedient and responsive to Him. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, 
So the Lord your God disciplines you. God will discipline us because he loves us. And that's reinforced in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. It's up to us. We seem to want to hang on to our sin even while we're being disciplined by God. And how long God will discipline us depends on our response to Him. God is persistently, lovingly, and wisely trying to nudge us to become the person of character which we desire to be, but we're unable to without His help. How long we must be disciplined is up to us. If we fail to yield to His correction we will not rise to the next level of fruitfulness. Sometimes we are content to stay where we are in life because we either like where we're at or it's just plain simpler to maintain the status. Jesus told people what it would cost them to follow him. And while many did turn back, those who followed him are still having an impact on the world today. By the time his disciples had written their epistles, they had learned that the trials they went through were an opportunity to put their trust in Jesus. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our tests of faith during hardships and trials give us an opportunity to surrender to God something which is of great value to us. The Apostle Paul is a branch connected to the vine that is still producing a great deal of fruit today. The amount of fruit we can produce will be in direct relationship to our submission to the vine dresser. Paul gives us his pedigree in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee 
As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes on the basis of faith. Through God's pruning, Paul gave up everything for the glory of the kingdom. He gave up his job, his heritage, religion, and pride. He was pruned until there was nothing left of his original self. Paul considered that knowing Jesus Christ to be far superior to everything he had surrendered. In Philippians 3, verses 13 to 21, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently... That, too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as, as I have often told you, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glory, His body. Paul was a man zealous for God, doing everything that he thought God wanted him to do until he yielded to the pruning by God, and he became a completely different man. He was sold out not to persecuting the church, but sold out to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of us have had deep pruning. Do not look back to see what we left behind. We are focused on what is ahead that we may attain to glorify God. Our eyes do not look back from where we have come, but forward to what is for us in Christ. When the pruning comes, how we act, react can make all the difference. Do we rebel or complain? Or do we embrace the changes and experience of joy, comfort, rest, and peace? by keeping our eyes on the prize in Psalm 66.10. For you, God, tested us, you refined us like silver. 
a test of our faith needs to push us past the previous test we've taken. We are born with the idea that we deserve to be in control of every aspect of our life. But that is in conflict with a life of faith. With a life of faith, we give up our right to be in ultimate control and willingly accept God to be the gardener, ready to prune us so we become more productive for his glory. God may send us messages disguised as problems. Sometimes his messages may be wrapped in a struggle, pain, or loss. God never stops teaching us no matter what our circumstances and if we are wise we never stop learning from those teachings in Matthew 6 33 but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well God will often seek to prune things that are most important to us that we are most reluctant to give up this kind of pruning is about rearranging our heart. And that's what defines us. God must have our heart if we're able to bear fruit. His goal is not to make us miserable, but to liberate us from sin so that we can pursue our true desire, His kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10, through 10, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is looking for our willingness to surrender to him and allow him as the gardener to lift us up, to clean us off, to prune us and to make us productive for his glory. If you are ready to surrender and allow God to prune you, won't you come as we sing a song of invitation? God is ready and anxiously awaiting the opportunity to work in your life to prune away those branches that are not productive and to set you on a new path for glory. God wants your heart and he wants an intimate relationship with you. Won't you come now?